Hello and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. It's myself, James Gerd, as always, and joined by Paul. Paul, how are you doing, mate? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. What 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 have you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Uh, not particularly. Back in the office again, which is good. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, working on a couple of new clients as well, which is nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, same old really. What about you? I better not tell your new clients that you don't find it particularly interesting. And I haven't said nothing particularly interesting. <laughs> Just stick to you up on the podcast. Um, no, but same. Yeah, exactly the same. Nothing dramatically exciting. Just same old, same old day-to-day stuff on projects. But it's fun. It is fun. It's just not uh, massively exciting at the moment. Um, right. So we're on to a new episode. So before I, I uh, um, hand over to um, Adam Pritchard, who's the founder and CEO of um, Shop at Commerce, I'll just do a little, little bit of a, a, a kind of scene setting. So basically, I'd imagine that um, some listeners may have heard of Shop it, a lot won't have done. Um, it's uh, an enterprise e-commerce platform, uh, interestingly positioned as uh, get enterprise level features from day one and only pay as you grow, which is quite an interesting proposition because some platforms, only if you upgrade to certain levels of package, do you get all of the feature sets. So very much a different proposition. So you have access to everything um, from the start, regardless of size. Uh, and there's a really nice comparison table actually on the uh, Shop it, uh, website where it shows comparison features and pricing with the likes of Shopify, EKM and Volution. But I will leave Adam to talk more about that. But um, Adam, thank you very much for coming on to the Replatform podcast and taking the time out. So um, please give an intro to our listeners, let them know who you are, what you do and why, etc. Um, and then, yeah, a little, little bit of um, uh, intro to Shop it as well. Like what is it and where is it positioned in the market? Yeah, hello to you both and uh, to all the listeners. Thank you for, for having me on. Um, yeah, so Shopit was born out of our um, uh, former e-commerce agency. I worked for um, a big agency, working with some massive clients and, and, and small ones as well, and being you know, um, subject to all different questions and whims and desires of, of so many different customers. Um, set up our own in- uh, agency as well, ran that for six, seven years very successfully, but in the background, we were developing the Shopit platform to really try and deal with some of the big issues that, that we've seen um, in the industry. There's lots of technical features that all these platforms are offering, but so many of our clients wanted access to everything. You know, they wanted the access, as you mentioned before, to the sort of gold and platinum features, but they didn't necessarily have the money upfront for that. Um, they were small and they were growing. So Shopit is it's a multi-site system. Um, it's built in PHP, it's on Google Cloud, and it really is aimed at people who who want to get access to as much as possible early on, um, not necessarily have to pay more. Um, it's class of the pay-as-you-grow system, so it's it's based on your traffic, really, as you grow. So, But they've got access to build as many websites as they want. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued because, you know, transparently, I said to you before, I don't know Shopit particularly well. Um, I know a bit about it, and you've been very kind to, to talk me through it. It's got some really interesting enterprise features, like multi-site, for example. So, you know, that's why we thought it'd be rude not to get you on. The aim of Replatform is to, is to get people to understand the platform technologies that are out there and how they differ to help them make more meaningful decisions. So we're going to ask you some annoying questions, if that's all right. <laughs> Go for it. Perfect. So um, I think initially what would be really useful to do is let's get the elephant out of the room. I know we've talked about this, like every platform has its core strengths. Not all platforms mm. are born equal. We know that you're up against in some RFPs platforms like Shopify, which have extensive partner networks. And I know that you you don't have the, the same volume of partners. So could you just talk people through what the ecosystem looks like, like how you work, how do people like, implement ShopIt and where that might be going? Yeah. Yeah. So as you as you rightly point out, you know, um, we are up against it. There are lots of big players in the industry. The Magento's, BigCommerce, Shopify's, WooCommerce's of this world um, out there. Plenty of people have asked me before, you know, why are you cracking on with this um, when it's already an established market? But we believe that the way we are doing things is, is the critical bit. Um, the the pay-as-you-grow um, aspect, which, like I say, because we're on Google Cloud, because Google Cloud itself um, is an agile um, uh, cloud hosting platform, they also have been very successful charging pretty much based on the, the traffic and the bandwidth and the resource usage. We're a Google technology partner and we decided to adopt that for our model as well. Um, there are times when I've thought, you know, 
WooCommerce effectively as a free platform and then you pay for your hosting. We could sell ourselves as, as similar, um, but we're trying to be as transparent with um, with what people are getting. Um, and yeah, you know, we're up against it in that sense. We don't have a huge ecosystem of you know, hundreds of partners across the country, across the world, hundreds of people and um, developing plugins, et cetera. But um, whilst that is, while we're looking to grow, certainly the agency uh, side of things and, and people getting involved, um, we also think that the, the plugin area does have its weaknesses as well in terms of um, support, in terms of accountability, et cetera. And we, we, our long-term objective is to try and deliver everything that an e-commerce business wants from day one and let them play with those tools as best they, they can go, really. Okay, excellent. I think that's a really succinct way of, of kind of summarising where it is and where the differences might be. What would be interesting, let, let, let's let's talk about the, the tech stack then. I know you gave a brief intro to it, but how does it compare? Like, do you talk about, you know, Big Commerce says, uh, so Big Commerce will say they're open SaaS, Shopify SaaS, uh, you know, other platforms proprietary. How would you describe the tech stack? What, what apart from the Google Cloud, what is it built on? So it's built on um, a PHP 7.3, largely um, to because of the, the experience of the staff that have been working on it. There's little bits of Python and JavaScript, and um, our templates are, are bootstrap orientated at the moment, at least. Um, but yeah, the, the big driver is the Google Cloud element. It's a perfect way to, to manage um, a SaaS system and allow all of our, our central um, uh, updates to be uh, to be rolled out. Um, and we find that it's that it's. We're doing constant work on reducing the amount of code lines um, involved to try and speed up both the admin side and also the front end uh, deliveries. Um, there's a constant evolution with that kind of stuff, uh, constant evolution on the UX of the system as well from from an admin point of view. You know, we, we've we've taken on customers who have given us some great feedback and said, you know, that bit's great, that bit's great, but here I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to click. I don't know where to find that feature you've told me about. So we've try to address a lot of those issues through um through the ux side of things um it is open api so you know i've seen the headless e-commerce term banded around a lot especially with big commerce um done a lot of pr and marketing on that and our system has effectively always been headless um we haven't we've looked into integrating with with wordpress and webflow um we haven't done it as yet the, the projects haven't demanded it because the customers have been happy with what they've got out of the box with uh, with our pages and posts and, and our CMS editor. But we know there's room for improvement. Um, I've spoken to um, the likes of Shogun, um, who are a big um, CMS front end for, for even Shopify developments. Um, and again, there's conversations going on there um, about you know API connecting everything to it. Ultimately, we're driven by wanting to be, um, wanting to give low, the, the smaller end of the businesses the opportunity to, to excel and to grow. But we are inhibited by the length of our roadmap, I suppose. You know, that if, you, if you're going to try and, this might be a horrible um, analogy, but if you're going to try and cover a Porsche with diamonds, I don't know why you do that, but if you're going to do that, then you, you know, it takes a while to, to, to go through all of them. So it's, is this, uh, it's, your, it's, is this it's your personal good. car collection you're telling us about now? No, God, no. I've, I, I've got that image in my head now, and I'm disgusted by my own thoughts. But, but yes, is that, I could probably come up with a better one, I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, that makes sense. And I guess just moving on slightly, um, in terms of your kind of typical customer, like what, what, yeah. does, what does that look like in terms of kind of size, orientation, like the kind of some of the kind of higher end requirements? Um, yeah, because I know you, you service both B2C and B2B. What does the average customer yeah. look like? So this is this is a been a wonderful bone of contention discussion points for for the internal staff and also our shareholders and investors recently because from it's because I believe that that Shopify uh, Shopify is a is a scalable kind of platform it's it's something that that the low end users who are just starting out can use as long as they've got a bit of experience with e commerce and they know what they're doing all the way up to I mean we've got businesses who are doing five six million pound on it um I've been told plenty of times that when it comes from a marketing point of view to actually try and focus on some of the smaller groups I think the the perfect people for us are ones that perhaps they've had a woocommerce site before perhaps they've had a shopify site before um we've targeted magento businesses as well. Where Magento can be weak with with um, its agency costs that it that it costs to, uh, to 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 make the most of that platform, where Shopify might be weak in terms of the limitations that they put on the features, and Woo with its you know 
you've got to know the system, you've got to know um, uh, how to, to patch it properly and how to build it properly from a security point of view as well. And um, those people who have gone through that first rung with that are ideal for us. So if they're doing 50 to 100 grand turnover kind of a thing on the platform. But then, like I said, we've got, um, we've got clients who are doing five, six, seven million pounds. We've got multiple websites um, who are targeting different countries, et cetera. So it does allow, and, and don't get wrong, the conversations with those people, they're, they're trying to push us even more to introduce more and more features, um, which, like I say, that puts the pressure on the roadmap. But it can work for all of those. Um, you mentioned before there are B2B and B2C um, uh, features for, for the platform inherent out of the box. So there are businesses who could have a warehouse of 2,000, 5,000 items who sell B2B uh, a trade price with, with some uh, distributors, but then also have their own one, two, three websites um, to to sell um, to the public. So it can suit, it can suit all of those, I think. Um, and I was looking through your site and um, you've got quite a kind of broad range of features and you talk about kind of inventory management and order management. Um, on there as well is it is it do you have the one offering for all of your customers or do you have kind of separate modules how does that side of things work? it's 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 more of a locked system uh, although it's api um you can integrate with the api, uh, API um docs it, with our, our principles because i've been bitten as an agency owner um with woocommerce developments with um, magento developments etc where people have built things that don't necessarily work or they clash with other plugins etc and the, the old adage with with woo about you know uninstall all your, your plugins and reinstall them until you find what the problem is I, I was always very uncomfortable with that plenty of clients were very uncomfortable with that so we've t- adopted the approach that um yes of course you can integrate with other systems um and you can have third-party developers do that our long-term objectives are that we will do it centrally in-house so that we can thoroughly test the code, uh, stress test it, um, and make sure there's no clashes, et cetera, make sure that it works properly. Um, we've got our inventory management tool. We class it as a version one at the moment. It probably does as much as Shopify does in terms of we have multiple locations you can create. You can put all your stock and inventory and bin locations and all that kind of stuff, do transfers and all that. But there is a version two that's in development, which is all about automatic supplier reordering and um, you know notifications saying that when um, a fast moving item is going out of stock that it will automatically spin out a, a supplier order to the, the nominated people but that's that's yet to come um, but yeah so it's it's the aim is that we will always offer um, I've always loved the Zoho model and um, Zoho are an Indian company who do um, pretty much everything they do everything from email marketing to um, heat tracking to CRM to uh, booking systems all sorts of different stuff um, but you can you can have you can choose to take the Zoho model or you can say actually their CRM is not the best I'm actually going to plug in another one and they perfectly allow you to do that and that's been a driver for for us so give them the first option but absolutely give them the freedom to to go and uh, integrate with something else um, and one one uh, last question. It's a little bit um, a, a bit of a tangent, I guess. But um, and James has already talked about this a little bit. In terms of, so you kind of talked a bit about the technology stack. In terms of kind of maintenance. So I mean, is is the platform kind of would is it self-hosted? You know, is it cloud-based? Like, how does that sort of things work? And yeah, talk to us a little bit more around that. Okay. So when when people visit the website uh, and they sign up for one of our free trials. Um, it takes about between six and eight minutes for a unique installation to happen. So you, you fill out all your details, you press the submit button and it goes off. Uh, it deploys automatically from, from Google app engine. Um, uh, so the customer's got their own um, virtual instance. Like I say, it's completely, this is where I think we differ from Shopify. I don't know too much about their, their deeper um, infrastructure, but um, they, I think they deploy a lot quicker because they, they use a, a certain amount of shared hosting um, for certain elements. But we deploy a unique instance to everybody of the latest version of Shopit. As we find issues that we need to address, whether it's a speed issue, whether it's a new feature that's coming out, we will deploy that um, to everybody. Um, we'll notify everybody when uh, what the feature is. Um, and uh, yeah, so everybody's got that full access to, to everything from a, from a day-to-day um, basis. Uh, obviously, when it comes to designs and templates and things like that, we don't want that to, to, to break their website. So that is more, that's deployed but into an area where it's optional for them to, to, to upgrade it. A um, bit like the, the whole WooCommerce plugin area where you get notified of, uh, of updates. Um, so yeah, we're, tr- we're trying to, to keep 
that, that central core feature set and central core code as up-to-date as possible um, on behalf of, of the customers, really. So let, let's probe a bit deep about some of the functional areas, both technical and business-wise, because as we said <clears> when we discussed this episode, like our mantra on, on re-platform is no platform is 100% perfect for any business. It's impossible yeah. for any technology to be built Cost, well, unless you do it in-house. <laughs> so <laughs> let's explore some of the key areas from an e-commerce point of view that are typically of interest to, to teams. And then if you could just give us a bit of a flavor about how Shopit works in that context. So first one yeah. for me would be, um, I know you've got, um, it's your platform, it's cloud hosted, you, you yeah. maintain the application. How does it work in terms of like technical teams who might want to take more ownership of the platform? Do you have clients where they would control the front end completely and they would have the access to that through APIs because you said it's, it's got headless capability? Yeah. Or is it yeah. typically most people are, are using an implementer to do all of that for them? So we we offer a number of templates um, for people to play with. So the the we're trying to make them more accessible to the Joe Blogs, the people who want to, to build their own websites, um, you know, the business owner that wants to have a dabble. Um, it's not, uh, it's it's a relatively new release, that really. So there's still areas that we need to improve to make um, it as WYSIWYG as, as perfect. But in the same uh, respects that Shopify um, open this, people can access, if an agency takes this on, they can access those templates um, and the JavaScript elements completely and completely hack it around as, as much as they want they can they can completely convert our templates into something that's unique for themselves we're just about to introduce a feature whereby people can off-site build their own template uh, or build their own design and import it and, and it'll connect but like i say if they wanted to go headless and they wanted to use our api docs to connect a third party system or html built um you know, uh, a setup that's completely separate they can do um but yeah that design area is something that we're constantly improving on and, and trying to work on um we haven't really been um because we're still a, a relatively young company um with the agencies that we work with we haven't really been pushed too much as yet in terms of running down the headless route we know that our system can do that we know that our system can can drive epos systems etc and we did get involved in a project um, that stopped because the retailer themselves changed their minds on, on opening the shop. But um, we know that it can do all of that kind of stuff into third-party systems, but we're young enough that we probably haven't been tested fully on that yet. So that would be the, the fair shout on that one. Okay, but in principle, the, the, the platform is fully API open. So even with things like the checkout, if somebody wanted to build a custom front end, they could use your commerce application, yeah. but fully control yeah. every single element of every page on the front end. Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah, they're cool. Thank you. Sorry, I lost the mute button as well. Um, I'll, cut, I'll edit this bit out. Okay. Um, and then in terms of kind of the back end of the platform and like general kind of admin tools and kind of functionality, um, yeah, how extensive are things on that side? Like what kind of functionality would you get if you were to sign up with Shopper? Yeah. So the big driver for us, as well as the, the page you grow traffic orientated um, model, business model that we run, in terms of the feature set, the biggest thing that I found when we've done meetings and, and exhibitions and, and talks and whatever, when people have, have come up to me afterwards, is, is the multi-site element. Um, you can, it's very easy. You, you create your, your product sets. You can import from other systems or you can use our, our data structure um, from a spreadsheet to, to import all your products. So you can do it manually one by one, et cetera. Um, once you've got that, that global warehouse of products, if you like, or their global information, you can then create a sales channel at the click of a button. This is where I, I listened intently to the, um, uh, I think Piers Thurgood on your podcast, a great episode about Shopify Plus. I learned so much about um, that system um, and what they were so good at and what we were so good at in comparison. But we believe we've made it quite easily for, for people to, to click a button that says add sales channel. Might be a B2C, it might be a B2B website. You can then go off and pick which products you want to sell on that. You can change the pricing, you can change the descriptions, you can change the images, all that kind of stuff uniquely for that system. You can obviously do that internationally as well if you want to. Um, we've Same with the lo stock locations. If you've got, it's yet to be fully tested by, by a, a leading retailer, but I've had conversations with some big, big people who run high street um, organizations, um, huge ones that, um, 
the multi-stock location, the whole click and collect. We believe it can it can push through with that. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of work to do to make it perfect, but there's unlimited stock locations. It's got all the, the Facebook and Instagram and eBay connections that, that people will want. We're working on Amazon one, but as most people inside the industry will tell you, connecting to Amazon and all the different versions of Amazon there are around the world is, is incredibly complex. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole idea really is that it's that it's unlimited. You can run a B2B website and have volume discount pricing. You can um, force people to, to register before they can see the pricing. Um, you can have B2C websites. Um, all that kind of stuff, really. We're, my big belief, I've said this before, is that an e-commerce business is, is, is really about how good the owner is at buying products at good rates, so therefore making them profitable. Um, and then um, their in warehouse infrastructure, you know, how well organized are they um, in the back end? There's so many businesses that are two, three million pound in size that still don't know what's in the stock room. And we're trying to help with that. And then the final piece of the cake is obviously the, the sales and marketing which which us and all these other platforms are, are trying to help people with so there's all sorts of um a bit of merchandising features in there like i said the, the templates are fully customizable um, but it's really about having unlimited front-end websites really that makes sense and um in terms of see we've talked a little bit about b2b but in terms of the split of your mm. current client like what proportion of b2c and what proportion of b2b and is b2b a big focus area for you it is. It is because I think I've read so many reports about, you know, and I've worked in, in manufacturing um, and with manufacturing organizations before that B2B is always a bit laggard on it. Um, it's perhaps not as sexy for them. They've probably already got their international relationships of, of shifting stock. Um, and, but I've seen for some of the projects we're involved in, I've seen um, B2B catching up quite a lot. It's probably still about a 70-30 split in terms of the front-end site, 70% being the B2Cs. It's a lot more tangible when you're selling skirts and dresses and T-shirts and whatever to, to Joe Public. Um, there's lots of examples out there of best practice that you can copy and, and launch your websites. But we have got clients who, who run both. Like I say, we've got manufacturers who have gone, well, actually, I sell to 20 distributors around the world. I would love to have a platform that I can do that a bit more digitally um, so I can take orders overnight in the local currency. Um, and do a stock, the whole stock management element. But you know what? In the UK or in a couple of those countries, I wouldn't mind sometimes privately, secretly, sometimes a bit more obvious, they wouldn't mind launching their own um, direct-to-customer um, website. The reason I say secretly is sometimes a couple of those clients are in, in almost competition with their resellers uh, that are trying to learn about the, um, the end marketplace. Um, but all of this can be run from the same system. So... You know, it's still a 70-30 split, but I'm I'm very keen on banging the drum for, for getting B2B people to do a bit of both. And how far does the B2B functionality go? Because um, obviously it's, that's, I guess that's a how long's a piece of string question, but mm. in a bit of context, could you just tease out a couple of the, the functionality that, that's suitable to B2B? Do you have anything that's specifically B2B, like custom pricing catalogs, for example, or mm. quotations? So quotations, estimates, and, and invoices, all that can be done. Um, orders can be um, raised by the customer or by the, the admin person in the back end um, and allocated. Um, obviously, invoices and estimates can be sent out for approval. Often, you've got to raise that internal invoice um, order number before the, the boss will let you, you commit to that order. So all that can be done, and then it can be converted into orders and go through the usual process. Um, the, uh, the the inventory area, like I say, um, it can be quite crucial. That that version two that, that's in progress at the moment, this whole supplier reordering element we've got, um, which is um, it's it is more about the the logistics of, of populating the warehouse with products, but that has a massive impact on B two B because they're obviously B two B businesses often sell product not one by one, but they'll sell it on a on a crater load of of two hundred items or two thousand items. So their stock is shifting quite considerably, um, and we've got notifications and parameters and variables that you can set up to to um, monitor. Though this is in the in the version two, it's not ready yet, um, so I don't want to get anyone too excited with that, but um, What's going to be coming is the ability to, to monitor your fast-moving stock and your slow-moving stock, making management decisions on, on your product database about that, and also then factoring in reordering times. So if you have just sold 2,000 of an item um, and you need another 
2000 to, to go back in the warehouse, um, automatic ordering, what's your typical lead times that you've inputted into the system from supplier one versus supplier two, average you know, cost price for, for these different suppliers, et cetera. So it's quite a complex element, which is why it's not, not ready yet. But those are the big things I think B2Bs um, enjoy. And also, like I said, the volume discounting, the hidden pricing um, elements like that. Customer special pricing is a wonderful one. I've been in some massive projects when I worked for agencies um, before about the complexities of, of customer special pricing. Again, we want to make, it's not ready yet, but we're building it and we want to have um, more of a WYSIWYG model so that you can effectively, you've got your product database of products, your hundred products, if you like, but for customer A, they're standard pricing, but for customer B, who's got customer special pricing, well, I need to be able to go in there and edit either the fixed price for that item, uh, a volume related price for that item or a percentage off, et cetera. Um, a lot of businesses, I think, handle this with, with discount codes for, for particular businesses, but yeah, we're excited about that, but, you know, like I said earlier about the roadmap, um, things just take a little bit of time to, to get to that point. It's good. I mean, that's given people a flavour for the type of functionality that's in the platform already and what's coming. Uh, let's talk about products because um, okay. this can often be a, a, a challenging point for e-commerce teams where they have complex product requirements, not just simple, I sell a t-shirt and it's in medium and small, etc., but where they might have configurable products, where they have a parent product and it comprises of multiple um, uh, you know, child products, or they want to do mm. bundles, where you might want to create a specific bundle product that consists of multiple child products as well, where yeah. I might have to have custom pricing for that bundle separate to the individual item pricing, et cetera. Yeah. Would, yeah. would it be interesting you to talk around the product management capabilities? What types of product can it handle natively? Yeah, so we, we did a lot of research with um, several big e-commerce systems, but also PIM systems as well about how they um, manage their whole product database. But from day one, because of the multi-site element and the, ability, the, the need for customers to be able to, to customize different items, um, we've tried to, to lead with those that product arrangements. Now, when you start your, your shop it, um, website, you can build single items. So a can of Coke, 330 mil, you know, it's not really got any variations. Ignoring the cherry Coke element and all that for a moment. Um, you can have variations with, with um, uh, loads of different variants, so your color size and all that kind of configurable elements. Um, my approach has always been, you've got your, your parent SKU and then you've got your child SKUs beneath that um, and there, there's a relationship to those. You can also have kits and bundles. Some people call it bill of materials as well. Um, the Sage influence kicking in there where um, you would have all the individual, you'd have product A, B and C available individually. Maybe there's 10 in stock of all of those. But then you've got a kit that actually is A plus B plus C. Maybe you get 20% off for buying it all together. You see these deals coming through on Amazon and eBay all the time. But you get 20% off um, and you want the customer to go to that product and order that that bundle as a whole. Um, with what we do, the builder allows you to pick those three individual SKUs. And when it's when it's purchased, it then knocks one off the stock for um, for, for the A and the B and C. They're down to nine. Um, some businesses prefer to do it differently. They actually prefer to say, no, I've got A, B and C, but then I've got a separate section in my warehouse where I've already collated that product into a shrink-wrapped a plus B plus C. So actually, I want a different um, stock um, stock level for that. And again, that can be customized with that as well. So we're trying to account for a lot of those. Um, there are exceptions to the rule as well. Um, the level of configuration. Um, I've seen websites that have, well, let me pick it in. We've got all the usual filters and all that kind of stuff, but let me pick um, men or women. Let me pick the size. Let me pick the color. And it's almost a progressive step one, step two, step three. Now, that's more of a front-end job for me. That's about... Um, seeking the child variant that matches the customer choice. So if they want a men's black size eight front end, you could have that sold as a, as a variation in itself as a single item, but some people further use the journey to be a little bit more progressive. Um, and that can all be done. Um, yeah, so we, we can cover a fair amount of it. Um, digital downloads, not so much at the moment um, because of the whole automation and the key element, the, the automatic generated key that a lot of digital downloads want to have. Um, that's, we don't really deal with that at the moment. And probably the biggest um, the biggest hole I think we've got at the moment is subscriptions. 
um, we don't do subscriptions at the moment. We can integrate with third-party systems that manage the subscriptions. A customer could buy, customer could, our customer could create a subscription product. You buy it um, on the website, but then it would have to fire off into another system whereby the whole subscription management um, continues um, for people upgrading, downgrading, all that kind of stuff. So we are heavily looking at that, but. Sorry, I was just saying any of you, you mentioned you could integrate, any of your customers currently doing it or is it just not a big demand from your current customer base? No, uh, it, from our current customer base, no. We've, ha- we've had probably 10% of our customers say, oh, are you doing subscriptions yet? We've actually missed out on some clients because they, are, they, are, they run a subscription model and we have to be very upfront and say, we know how important that is. We know how the world is going that way. We're a subscription model in ourselves, but the tech is quite complicated. Um, I think there are, businesses out there that are doing it so well, they make it look easy. Um, and this is the big thing with the whole digital world. You know, everyone uses Amazon and everyone thinks, well, can I have an Amazon website really? But the, the whole tech that goes into this stuff is quite big. So we're, we're very carefully going through um, building a subscription um, part of our system. But as we could build it, we notice, oh, that could have an impact on this and that could have an impact on that, et cetera. So we're taking our time over it. Um, like I said, we've missed out on a few, but, um, our, most of our customers at the moment are perfectly happy selling product. So. Yeah, and I mean, there are specials out there, as you say, the likes of Rebilia, for example. I mean, there's quite a few out there that do subscription um, payment management that can be integrated to, especially if you've got uh, a full yeah. API. Um, okay, cool. And how about, we talked about um, product merchandising, and I know you said before the, the, uh, the, the cause, I what do we mean by merchandising, which is a very good question because it can encompass a million and one things. So let's focus mm-hmm. on product visual merchandising for a front end e-commerce site. So I'm talking about things like the ability to manage list page sort orders, spec up big business rules across different pages to promote different types of products or up weight seasonally, yeah. etc. cetera. Um, ability to add things like product badges, like a new in or an exclusive, so you get a little bit of visual differentiation in that grid view. And then I guess the other one would be um, in, in certain hero content within a grid. So you, this has become a lot more popular and definitely exploited by more in, I guess, in the fashion industry mm. more, where you've got your product grid, but every now and then you get a content banner within that grid, so it breaks up the product view. So just talk us through from that product visual merchandising. What what could people do natively using your um, toolkit? So um, a lot of that, um, some of that is, stems from the system in core itself. You know, we've got a tagging system, so things can be tagged and, and whoever's building the system, if they want to take it a bit more customized um, and they've got access to do a lot of that, then they can use the tagging system to, to generate certain um, badges, like you said um, before. Um, the fact that people can customize the whole template and build their own system if they wanted to have um, banners that broke up the content, et cetera, they can do. Um, internally, we've got a tool called product prioritization, which when you go into the category system and you go into the subcategories, et cetera, you get to see all the products that are in there. This is from an admin point of view. And you can drag item number 17 to position number two, um, and it goes live instantly. So. You know, if there's data behind, oh, actually, product 17 is, is selling really, really well, um, then people can take those actions very, very quickly um, to do that, and, and it goes live uh, straight away. But, I mean, our CS, CMS, whilst it's, it's not going to be as, as great um, from a WYSIWYG visual point of view, um, it does demand a little bit more knowledge of, of coding. Um, that uh, it, it can be customized massively. Um, all the filters and stuff like that are there that that can help people. Uh, the pages and posts that you can create, again, like I say, they can be customized with hero banners and videos and what have you. Um, for me, a lot of merchandise, and yes, some of it sits with us, related products, cross-sells, et cetera. We have snippets and tags that can can um, can relay code around the website in, in but with the insertion of just a small snippet um, of code uh, in a particular category page template. But a lot of that, for me at least, um, I'm open to be proved wrong on this and, and pushed harder, but a lot of that relies on that front-end builder, really. Um, if you get an agency involved, they can do some some fantastic things with it. And we've had a couple of agencies that really do do run with their ideas. So That makes sense. I think it yeah, sounds pretty similar to Shopify. Obviously, they... Um... Shopify tags are used a lot within theme logic and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah. we, we've taken a lead on a lot of, you know, we look, we do try and look at other platforms like the Shopify's and go, actually, they're doing that really well. 
no, people are used to it. Let's not move on. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, SEO. So how flexible is the platform from an SEO perspective, particularly technical SEO? So kind of URL structure, kind of building out canonical logic, hreflang as part of the international piece, um, all yeah. of that kind of stuff. So um, I've, I wear an SEO hat quite um, strongly in the business. That's, that's my background um, from an SEO marketing point of view, which is why listening to the customers and trying to deal with their demands is what the platform has been built from. But SEO, it's, it's good. It is good. You know, you can customize your URLs um, completely and there are options to do that. And that's, you can have different URLs um, and different URL structures across your different websites. If you've got website one, two and three and you want it slightly differently, you can do. It automatically generates um, your sitemaps. You've got access to, to, the, to change the metadata. Um, you can do all the redirects. Um, if you drag a product from one category to another, it'll do an automatic redirect in the backend system, so you don't need to worry about that. But you can also then, if you're doing a site migration, for example, um, from another platform to ours, you can um, upload Download a, a template of, of redirect uh, structures, put them all in, and then re-upload them um, and sort them in orders and stuff that they take. Um, our actual URL string, um, when it goes down to the products, the, the default um, setup is that you go through the categories. Obviously, URL starts changing according to that. But when you actually get to the product page, it resolves to the domain. Um, and then I think it's the product name and the product ID that's in the database. So the category gets stripped out of it in that sense. You can put it in the breadcrumb. Um, in the template so it can be picked up there but that's so that um, to help that canonical element that if you've got a product sitting the same product sitting in two categories so pack of batteries for example that Google is not going to get confused by it being potentially um, uh, duplicate content um, and wondering which which one to put the more strength on um, there's a few more bits that we need to do on, on canonicals as well especially with, with site migrations um, but yeah it's got it's got a fair bit in there I mean the the whole multi-site element, one of the, the, the strategy drivers for that is um, to do with the choice paradox. Uh, one of my friends, Dawn Anderson, she wrote a massive essay on this um, that's been published that rather than necessarily having a website that's got 15,000 products and million variations of each each item, sometimes people just want to cut to the chase. You know, if I'm on my phone and the kids are screaming at me or whatever and I want to quickly purchase something, I just want to go to a website that sells me that that item. Um, I look at 10 different versions of it maybe and that's it, bang, done. And our system with the multi-site enables people to be a lot more concentrated in the, the SEO keywords and targeting and demographics that they're going for. So, um, so it's good. It's still not a finished item. You know, we're always going to be pushing that forward. But yeah, it's better than a lot of other systems I've seen. Excellent. And I guess, um, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but um, do you, and you may well have covered this and I might have missed it, but essentially, so like with things like the redirects, like would, yeah. um, if I was a Shopper user, would I have access to the server? Like, could I upload um, like rewrite rules directly to the server? Um, or would, is that something you would do? Or is it very much like within the back end, you have kind of a redirect management function like Shopify where you can upload indirect, um, yeah. so you can upload directly kind of just to and from redirects. Yeah. We, from a security point of view, we obviously have to be careful, um, for what people have access to, but the redirects element, yes, you can upload all of that. You can pull down customer databases, product databases, um, and redirect effectively databases, spreadsheets, and then re-upload them back up. Um, you can, um, in the, in the coding design coding area, you can add new files and, and, um, such to the, to that, that section of the uh, of our shopping structure um, but there are certain things if you wanted to change the interface of, of the admin for example no that's not going to happen and to be fair it doesn't probably happen for, for any other platform that's out there so we have to take if, if a customer makes a request sometimes we'll do it for them don't get wrong if it, if, it, if it worries us from a security point of view but there is still a certain amount that they can do themselves you know like I say, I'm from a digital marketing SEO background and uh, with the exception of one or two little things um, the HL, H, uh, well, HLEF, I don't know, HREFLANG tags. Um, I would personally be doing them in, in Google um, Search Console, et cetera. Um, but that's an area that we want to be adding to the system. So Makes sense. Um, and then just probing a little bit more on the international side. So you've talked a bit yeah. about kind of the multi-store offering. And I guess, like, how does that work from a kind of practical merchant perspective in terms of kind of managing different levels of 
product data at, um, at different levels. So maybe like localizing some bits, but having global, global values at some levels. Um, and also things like price lists, like can you, um, and like multi-currency within a single store. Can you just talk us a little bit more um, around the kind of multi-site piece from an international perspective and also international generally in terms of kind of managing current yeah. methods? Or so that? from a product point of view, um, it, I mean, we follow a tab structure. You know, um, what I understand about the likes of Shopify Plus um, with its multi-site and therefore to an extent the multi-currency and, and international languages is it's very much a log-in, log-out kind of scenario. If you make a change to those black pair of trousers in English on one website and you want to do it on your Canadian website or your French website or whatever, you've got to kind of go off to that site, find it again and, and, and edit. Whereas ours is very much more a tab structure. So, um You've got, you can choose which, which sites you're editing at any one point in time and those black pair of trousers, you can edit the English, you click to the Canadian and the French tabs and you can go in and edit the, the descriptions and the pricing, et cetera, there as well. Um, it's very much up to the user. We don't currently have any kind of native translation area. Um, you know, a lot of people use Google Translate, which can, can come with a great amount of criticism, um, but it gets people certainly 80% of the way. Um, and we, we've toyed with the idea of doing that. Like I say, it's on the roadmap to, to try and help people along the way on that. Um, but yeah, you can customize those product descriptions to your heart's content, either in the system, or you can do the old fashioned pull down on a spreadsheet, edit loads of products there, and then re-upload them accordingly. Um, one of the things that we, we push with the whole multi-currency element is, so um, I know gateways was something that we were, we were gonna look at, and we are a little bit, again, a little bit more like Shopify in that we try and, we limit the amount of gateways that people can have, but the reason we do that is because we have very key partnerships with with people. Um, Elevon are probably our biggest, and they offer customers a rate of 1.2% plus 9p across every transaction. So whether you're a startup business or whether you're a massive, massive business, it's 1.2% plus 9p. They can privately talk to Elevon, and you know if you're a big business and say, well, actually, I want to get it down, have that discussion separately. That's not our back, but we introduce these people to those systems. Um, and we, you, know, you can connect to PayPal and some of those other simple ones. But what Elevon do really, really well, um, and there is another one we're talking to at the moment, a British-based one who are ticking a lot of boxes at the moment, but we're not integrating, we haven't signed the paperwork on it. But we lead with this idea that our customers demand low rates and um, uh, you know, great risk profiling and all of that kind of security elements. They've got to have good rates. Please give it to us on, on across the board for everybody. And um, don't dis, don't don't say that bigger businesses get the best deal and that the smaller businesses have to struggle. Um, but what Elevon do very well, and this new partner that we're looking to put on board, is that dynamic currency conversion. So even if you're in the UK and you use a Chinese or a Pakistani or a French credit card to pay for your products, or indeed, obviously, if you're in that other country, it will recognise those card numbers, and on screen it will say. You know, the website you're buying it from um, is in this currency, but your local currency would be this. Are you happy to proceed? You know, which one do you want to do you want to transact in? And it's a wonderful little little tool that these people offer us. Um, and they do other things like schedule payments, which touches on subscriptions a little bit. But this whole dynamic currency conversion is a fantastic thing that's coming out with gateways. And that's where we believe you know, customers need to open their eyes a little bit. Uh, our clients need to open up and go, Okay, the shipping's a little bit more difficult and perhaps a little bit more costly. Obviously, I've got to do the marketing again, but infrastructure-wise and platform-wise, there's no reason why I can't target 80 million people in France or you know, 300 odd million people in America, etc. So, again, we're trying to make that easy. So, if that answers your question. Yeah, and actually, it leads on really nicely because I, I, I had a question around the payment piece. Um, right. Okay. It, it's because you've got. Sh it, you package it as shop it, pay, don't you, basically, which is the Elevon. And, uh, yeah, sorry, it's just the a branding one. thing, really, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that that's pre-integrated. Um, yeah. Is that pre-integrated as in, basically, you are just taking the native functionality capabilities of those payment providers like Elevon yeah. and integrating them through an API so yeah. that all You're... the API stuff is covered by the payment provider so the client doesn't have to worry about any PCI compliance? Yeah, so you, you apply for an account with those people independently. They've got to do their risk assessments and, yeah. and KYCs on people. Um, but they give you a code then that you come back into shop it, type it in, and bang. That's it done. Fully responsive checkouts, et cetera. So that's if you, if you choose to go with those people. 
Perfect. Um, question I've got linked to that is, I guess it links into the wider omni-channel piece from the e-commerce point of view is, if people yep. are running stores and, and they want a platform where they can do in-store payment as well, do you have any customers who are using um, ShopIt or where they're placing orders in stores? Or are people typically just using different, different um, like point of sale and integrations for store-based payments? Yeah, so th this is a massive area that I'm, I'm really personally keen to explore even more. So we've had one instance of a, of a company who set up effectively a touchscreen website in their store. You know, they, they were a busy little shop. They wanted to have a screen in the back, um, back area where people could browse their entire stock of the warehouse, not just what's in the store, um, and then you know, place their orders. And obviously, they can do that digitally. They can type in their car numbers, et cetera, et cetera. But then we started looking at it from a till point of view. I started looking at it from a POS, um, whereby the orders can be created by an admin in the back end, or they can still be created on the front end system. And in terms of the payment, um, you can create an option to take payment offline, effectively, or you know, demand the card details there and then. You can then um, connect it uh, to um, to a card reading system. Um, and this is where we've not done enough of it, but this is where I'm so excited that, and you can register it or take the payment offline, um, and as long as obviously the card reading post device says payment approved, et cetera, with its own connectivity, then obviously you then tick that as, as being paid and you let the customer walk away with the goods. Um, so I am reassured massively by um, likes of Alevern and retail merchant services who we work with um, that that whole EPOS system is, is perfectly doable with their technology. Um, I'm reassured by my developers, there's not really that much work to do um, to get it working. It's more from an operational point of view with the customers. And to be honest, we, we've had one or two of our clients mention it, like I said, that one who, who tried it, but they closed down their shop because it wasn't profitable enough for them in the end. But it's an area that I really think that we could do a lot more, um, especially with the whole retail environment at the moment that it is with COVID. Um, you know, people needing to sell online and in store. Yeah, I'm desperate to try and just help people do it a bit of both on Shopit. So. Makes sense. Um, and I guess another uh, slightly tangential question um, for me. Yeah. So in terms of um, like some of the third parties you work with, and we've already talked about ecosystem. Um, like what, uh, I guess like, yeah, so what are some of the kind of third parties that your customers work with the most in terms of, you know, search, um, personalization? Um, you talked about a uh, platform like Shogun earlier. Yeah, and any other yeah. kind of key third parties? Like how, how does, yeah. I mean, we, we, we haven't had too many, to be fair. Like I say, I'm, I'm probably on one side very pleased that the customers that we've got are pretty much happy with the current system as it is and it runs their, their um, operations well enough. Um, although I'm not happy with that because I want I want people to come to me a lot more with their demands and requirements so I, um, I can open it up. Because our principles are that we build it centrally um, as best as we can. Obviously, people can use the APIs, et cetera, but we want to offer those systems internally. So we've had a conversation with one client who they're a dropshipper and their warehouse themselves uses Mintsoft to use all their, um, to do all their warehouse management and stock movements. Um, so we're looking at a Minsoft integration that once we do it for that particular client, it'll then be available as, a, as effectively a plugin, um, but it, just apply to the account and do all the configurables, um, but that'll be done from the day, from day one. Um, but most of our conversations so far, like I said, the conversation with Shogun, the conversation with our payment gateways and doing those things natively, um, a lot of them um, we've either gone ahead with, we're still in discussions with, but we tend to do it a bit more centrally. Um, yeah, like I said, we're, we're a young company. So, you know, once we're up to several thousand, tens of thousands of customers, then we'll have more demands and requirements. And it's about squeezing that into the roadmap or getting a key agency that we can trust their code um, to build it. And then we pull it into the central system. Um, so not, not a huge amount, to be fair. Um, most people are happily ticking away with, with what they're doing on the core system. Uh, interesting. Um, that point, the point you make about the payment stuff is interesting because I just had a project where we've done the install piece using pay by link but mm. with Adyen. And um, uh, yeah. it, is, it is interesting. It's, you're right, it's the processing. And a lot of clients don't think it through about how do they, how do store staff inform customers and make sure the customers understand the process so that, yeah. that if, they, if they happen to do it on a mobile phone, but they don't, they've left their phone somewhere and they can't do it, that they know what they've got to do when they get home. It's definitely a communication challenge. 
Yes, I think, um, I mean, pay by link again is another one of these things that the Elevon do offer. Um, RMS, I think, offer as well to our customers. Um, it's about, we've had a little bit of a conversation with one client um, about about utilising it. Um, the challenges are a bit more operationally. The customers got to understand where pay by link is, is used, um, especially in the B2B areas, but to some extent with retail as well, um, and how it w- works with the stock and, and at what point you release the goods, etc. But PayPal Link is another one of those. I'm, this is where I get frustrated as a founder, really, because I want to, to develop so much and, and give it to customers. Um, that technology is available. If you like, it's effectively sitting on our doorstep, ready and waiting um, to come in. Um, we're just not quite there with it. Um, but, yeah, it, if it makes life easier for the end customer and for our client, then that's what we'll try and do, really. Yeah, it does, and especially when... when um you've got the people in the store aren't always happy about um, handing over information, the ability to yeah. turn around and say, that's fine. You can go home and pay, pay by card later. Yeah. Um, you can pay by PayPal, etc." It, de- it definitely opens up um, uh, stores to, to be able to reduce reasons to walk out basically. Yeah. Um, well, our systems can just on that. I mean, PayPal, PayPal is there as a default native gateway as well. So, you know, in that EPOS scenario, people can do that. Absolutely. Um, they can connect it to an EPOS system. Well, yes, you're quite right. We'll ping it to your phone now and you know make your payments there. That'd be an awesome, awesome level of uh, functionality. Yes, yeah, it, it is. It is nice. Um, cool. So, Adam, that's been really, really interesting. I mean, it's covered off all the key questions we wanted to ask. Um, okay. I think that's going to be a, a very uh, interesting insight to our listeners as well into uh, a kind of a, a platform that a few of them won't have heard of, and, and hopefully it will give mm. them. Food on how it fits in the marketplace and compares to some of the other uh, platforms we've talked about like the Magentos and Shopify yeah. as well. Um, if anybody wants to know more, um, wants to find out more about the platform or wants to talk to you to probe in any of these areas in more detail, yeah. how do they reach out? The, the easiest and most obvious is, is to pop on our website, which is shopitcommerce.com. Um, there is a live chat function there available, which is manned um, a lot of the hours a day, pretty much sort of eight to eight. Um, uh, they can ping any questions there. Obviously, uh, hopefully there's, there's help videos and stuff that's, that's available on there. There's blogs that explains a lot of what we do. But yeah, you know, um, we're not going to be perfect for everybody. Um, we do fit a certain demographic. We're trying to increase stuff to, to fit as, more, as many more people as we can do. Um, but if people want to ask us about migrations from other systems, um, ask, tell us about what their issues have been and what their requirements are going forward, yeah, it's a, it's a conversation piece. So website is probably the best place. Excellent. Wonderful. And, and also people can find out the price. Now. I mean, that, it, it, the price is £20 a month, isn't it, if I understood correctly, yeah. for a startup, which is 500 visitors a month. So, yeah, yeah it, it is It is interesting. Please, people, go and have a look at it. It's always worth knowing more about other platforms out there to get a broader perspective. So um, from this podcast point of view, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, appreciate you taking the time too. So I hope it's been an interesting episode for you. And Adam, massively appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and talk more. And uh uh, yeah, let keep keep in touch with the platform roadmap stuff. It's always of interest to us. I will do. I thank you for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure to speak to you guys. Uh, we've crossed paths here and there uh, in the past before, and it, it's good to see your guys' journey. But um, I I can recommend the, the the podcast that people go trail back through all the different uh, episodes. It's taught me even as a founder of a business um, in the e-commerce world so much already about what other people are doing and what requirements are. It's, it's a great listen. Um, so glad it's, it's up there on, uh, on Spotify and everything else. So. Excellent. We'll slip you that brown paper bag. We're cashing it later for that. <laughs> um, excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you. Take care.